1 Kings chapter 2. Now the days of David came near that he should die, and he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am going the way of all the earth. You be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. And keep the instruction of Yahweh your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, according to that which is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do, and wherever you turn yourself. Then Yahweh may establish his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your children are careful of their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail you, he said, a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, you know also what Joab the son of Zeruiah did to me, even what he did to the two captains of the armies of Israel, to Abner the son of Ner, and to Amasa the son of Jether, whom he killed and shed the blood of war in peace, and put the blood of war on his sash that was around his waist, and in his sandals that were on his feet. Do therefore according to your wisdom, and don't let his grey head go down to Sheol in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom your brother. Behold, there is with you Shimi the son of Gera the Benjamite of Bahurim, who cursed me with a grievous curse in the day when I went to Mahanaim. But he came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by Yahweh, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now therefore don't hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man, and you will know what you ought to do with him, and you shall bring his grey head down to Sheol with blood. David slept with his fathers and was buried in David's city. The days that David reigned over Israel were forty years. He reigned seven years in Hebron, and he reigned thirty-three years in Jerusalem. Solomon sat on David his father's throne, and his kingdom was firmly established. Then Adonijah the son of Haggith came to Bathsheba the mother of Solomon, and she said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. He said, Moreover, I have something to tell you. She said, Say on. He said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me, that I should reign. However, the kingdom is turned around and has become my brother's, for it was his from Yahweh. Now I ask one petition of you, don't deny me. She said to him, Say on. He said, Please speak to Solomon the king, for he will not tell you no, that he will give me Abishag the Shunammite as a wife. Bathsheba said, All right, I will speak to you the, for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to the king, Solomon, to speak to him for Adonijah. The king rose up to meet her and bowed himself to her and sat down on his throne and caused a throne to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand. Then she said, I ask one small petition of you, don't deny me. The king said to her, Ask on, my mother, for I will not deny you. She said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah your brother as wife. King Solomon answered his mother, Why do you ask for Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my elder brother, even for him, and for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by Yahweh, saying, God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as Yahweh lives, who has established me and set me on my father David's throne, and who has made me a house as he promised, surely Adonijah will be put to death today. King Solomon sent Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and he fell on him 
so that he died. To Abiath of the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth, to your own fields, for you are worthy of death. But I will not at this point put you to death, because you bore the Lord Yahweh's ark before David my father, and because you were afflicted in all which my father was afflicted. So Solomon thrust Abiathar out from being priest to Yahweh, that he might fulfill Yahweh's word, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. This news came to Joab, for Joab, hadn't fo- for Joab had followed Adonijah, although he didn't follow Absalom. Joab fled to Yahweh's tent and held on to the horns of the altar. King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to Yahweh's tent, and behold, he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go fall on him. Benaiah came to Yahweh's tent and said to him, The king says, Come out. He said, No, I will die here. Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, This is what Joab said, and this is how he answered me. The king said to him, Do as he says, and fall on him and bury him, that you may take away the blood which Joab shed without cause from me and my father's house. Yahweh will return his blood on his own head, because he fell on two men more righteous and better than he, and killed them with the sword, and my father David didn't know it. Abner the son of Ner, captain of the army of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jetha, captain of the army of Judah. So their blood will return on the head of Joab, and on the head of his offspring forever. But for David, for his offspring, for his house, and for his throne, there will be peace forever from Yahweh. Then Benaiah the son of Jehoiada went up and fell on him and killed him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. The king put Benaiah the son of Jehoiada in his place over the army, and the king put Zadok the priest in the place of Abiathar. The king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there and don't go anywhere else. On the day that you go out and pass over the brook Kidron, know for certain you will surely die. Your blood will be on your own head. Shimei said to the king, What you say is good. As my lord the king has said, so will your servant do. And Shimei lived in Jerusalem for many days. At the end of three years, two of Shimei's slaves ran away to Achish, son of Maacah, the king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, your slaves are in Gath. Shimei arose, saddled his donkey, and went to Gath, to Achish, to seek his slaves. And Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath. Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come again. The king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Didn't I adjure you by Yahweh and warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out and walk anywhere else you shall surely die. You said to me, The saying that I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of Yahweh and the commandments that I have instructed you with? The king said moreover to Shimei, You know in your heart of the wickedness that you did to David my father, therefore Yahweh will return your wickedness on your own head. But King Solomon will be blessed, and David's throne will be established before Yahweh forever. So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Joadah, and he went out and fell on him so that he died. The kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. All right. Lots of things going on in this chapter. (laughs) So David dies, he's buried, but not before giving some final advice to Solomon. And in his final advice, he says, there's a few people you need to get rid of. Joab and Shimei. It's these two people in particular that David mentions. 
And in this chapter, it talks about how these two and Solomon's brother, Adonijah, all three of them meet their end. And also Abiathar the priest isn't killed, but he's sent away. And then it says Solomon's kingdom was firmly established. So let's handle these one by one. <laughs> the first one is Solomon's brother, Adonijah. He asks uh, Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, to request Abishag the Shunammite as his wife. Now in the last chapter, Abishag was David's nurse. She cherished the king greatly. She was his hot water bottle. She hopped in bed to keep him warm and she fed him and looked after him and she loved him. But she didn't sleep with him, so she did not become a concubine. So technically, she's available to be, to be married to anyone. With concubines, if someone was the concubine of a king, they were the king's property and they could only be a concubine to the next king. They couldn't, you know, if someone came along and took a concubine for themselves, that was a treasonous act. It was like taking the king's own property, stealing from the king. And um, I know we've talked about all of these things before in other chapters about how they sound so terrible in today's modern world, talking about women as property. But this is an ancient world, excuse me, they thought very differently. And so... Um, Adonijah asks for this young lady to be his wife. Now Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, she, I, I don't think she thinks anything wrong with this because I doubt very much she would have gone to Solomon with the request if she thought anything was wrong. Or, although, she may have gone with the request if she knew it was going to lead to his death and she wanted to get rid of him. The thing that I've always thought to myself, you know, I, when I read these stories, I read them like you, with a modern mind, 21st century, you know, we, we have <laughs> modern conveniences, we read and write in English, we think very differently to these people that lived 3,000 years ago. So when Solomon hears of this request, it seems like he gets angry out of all proportion. Wouldn't you agree? I've always thought that. I thought, why on earth did he get so upset over this? And, um, well, there's at least two possibilities here. One possibility is that Solomon had already added her to his harem. And in Jewish tradition and in other places, Abishag the Shunammite becomes one of Solomon's concubines. She doesn't become one of his wives. He, Solomon ultimately ends up with 300 wives and 700 concubines. Now there's 700 women in his harem and she becomes one of them. So there's a possibility that she's already, already been added to Solomon's harem and so Solomon sees it as a threat on the throne. But it's, it's a bit weird that Bathsheba would go and ask for that if she knew that, unless she wanted to get rid of him. And um, so that's one possibility. But another possibility is that um, Solomon perceived the situation kind of like she was a concubine, even though she wasn't. So Solomon may have looked at her and thought, She's, she may not have slept with my father, she may not be a concubine, but she was a woman that belonged to my father. So he may have been understanding it in that same type of a way. To me, that makes the most amount of sense at all, because the Bible very clearly says that she wasn't, that she had no intimate relationships with David. So I just think, uh, as a personal opinion, that she, if she really was the most beautiful woman in the whole of Israel, which it does say, um, well, there'd probably be lots of young men that would have liked to have married her, and Adonijah probably thought she'd make a great wife, and I'm sure she would have. 
and but um, <laughs> Solomon, I think, reacts the way he does because he takes it very much as an attempt to get the throne. And he even says to Bathsheba, you may as well give him the throne. He says it like that. So, and then he goes out and he gets put to death. So, um, I think it's probably just a case of Adonijah not thinking clearly through the situation in advance. But if we go way, way back to 2 Samuel chapter 12, in there, David pronounced judgment on himself without realizing it. When he, um, when Nathan the prophet came to him to confront him about the sins of Bathsheba, David said, he must repay fourfold. Well, what David did in taking the life of Uriah the prophet now comes back fourfold in the losing of four of his sons and Adonijah here is the fourth of David's sons to be killed. So it's, it's a very sad thing and we've talked about that in previous chapters. You can go back to the 2 Samuel 12 chapter to, read, to hear more about that. So then after that, um, David puts to death Joab and then David puts to death Shimi. So these are two more people that are, you know, that needed to be put to death. And then it says his kingdom was firmly established. Now you may be wondering, as I did for a while and others have wondered, why did David give this advice to Solomon? You know, why did David not deal with these people at the time, but David gives advice to Solomon to deal with these people? Now, you know, politics is very complicated. <laughs> and there's definitely a little bit of politics going on here. David isn't saying this, he isn't giving this advice because of personal grudges or revenge. He's giving this advice because of great wisdom. David understands how all these things work. David knows that he can't just kill people. I mean, he does in certain circumstances, there's judicial process, but he knows I can't just do this because it's complicated. But there's a new king on the throne and he knows that these people are the ones that are going to be the biggest threats to my son. And he says to Solomon, in your wisdom, you need to get rid of these ones. But you notice Solomon doesn't just say, all right, A, B and C, line up and let's get rid of them. For each of them, there's a reason. Like for example, with Shimei, he brings him to Jerusalem, gives him rules. So Shimei ends up dying because he breaks the rules that he agreed to in advance. So he sets all these things in place Solomon deals with it all in wisdom. In ancient kingdoms, whenever a new king would be established, there were always threats to the throne, and sometimes they were family threats, as, in, as was the case with Adonijah. Sometimes they were external threats. Joab was, an, he was a family threat and an external threat. Joab was related to the family. The problem with Joab was he was, as we've talked about before, was always someone that would seem loyal, but would always do what he wanted the way he wanted. And Solomon is young, and David knows if anyone is going to decide to do something and get away with it, it'll be Joab, and he tells him, you need to deal with him. And you can bet that all the things that David said to Solomon and all the details of the conversations, we don't have them. What we've got here recorded so briefly would no doubt have been elaborated on to Solomon. And you remember Solomon wasn't alive when some of these things happened. So David's giving Solomon the detail. This is what happened. This is how it happened. This is what's wrong. You need to deal with it. This is the threat to you. And so this type of thing was common in ancient kingdoms. When there was a new king, they would deal with their threats so that their kingdom would be firmly established. And this chapter says at the end, his kingdom was firmly established. And all the way through Solomon's life, no one 
there's no one that's a threat to Solomon. There's one guy called Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who towards the end of Solomon's life, he, he starts a bit of a rebellion, but he flees to Egypt. He's the only guy through the whole of Solomon's 40 years of being king, his kingdom is secure and firm, and that's so unusual. And in that regard, and in about that regard only, it's a picture of Christ's kingdom, which is firmly established and secure and never threatened. But as we find out, Solomon is not only the most glorious of all the kings, you know, in terms of wealth and splendor, he's also possibly the weakest of all the kings. And we'll talk about that in the coming chapters. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the second chapter of 1 Kings. We thank you for the things we learn. And our prayer today would be that your kingdom, Lord, would be firmly established. Lord, you've taught us to pray that your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, a part of the Lord's prayer. And we do pray that today. And here we see in this chapter, Lord, that the kingdom of Solomon was established. And our prayer is that, that the kingdom of God would be firmly established on the earth. I pray that the wind and the waves, the crazy thoughts of humans and the uh, oppression of, of principalities and powers, that these things would not stop the kingdom of God. But we declare, Lord, you build your church and may the gates of hell not prevail. So, Lord, let grace be extended to all your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.